Welcome inside the Legends Lounge, where baseball VIPs are hanging out and talking about their life in the game. Lounge open, think fast though. Kenny Lofton is flying through. <laughs> no doubt about it. That is speed personified. Looking forward to talking to Kenny and and uh, and he's always a very uh, curious and interesting kind of leader type. Enthusiastic. I actually, you know, I've been doing baseball media, TV, etc. for a while. I'm like, I think I need a little more Kenny Lofton in my life. Energetic, <laughs> enthusiastic, opinionated. I mean, that sounds like a broadcaster to me, oh, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. And and again, I mean, the type of guy right off the top that would come in and set the tone for your game, or I guess, Scotty B, the show, and definitely here at the baseball lounge, right? Exactly. And this is a guy who's not just sitting around post-playing career. He's really thinking outside the box. So Kenny Lofton, you're up. The back of the baseball card is super flashy for this man. 299 lifetime hitter on base 37% of the time, over 600 stolen bags, 17 seasons with Cleveland, taking up a good chunk of his time, 17 total seasons, but a lot of Cleveland. And actually he's in the Hall of Fame for, I guess we should say now, the Guardians, six-time All-Star, four-time Gold Glover, five-time AL stolen base leader. Think fast. Kenny Lofton in the lounge. <laughs> Welcome, Kenny. What part of that intro, by the way, lights you up the most? <laughs> light me up. I mean, again, what lights me in a in a good, bad way is two ninety nine. You know that kind of oh, you know that kind of <laughs> hurts or whatever. And the other thing that lights me up. I'm a. I mean, you know, I use the Indian Guardians, but no matter what, I'm an Indian. I've never had the Guardians on my chest, on my hat. So no matter what, I am an Indian, and all the records were Indians. So how you look at it. Is this, it's almost like Gary Payton. You won't say Gary Payton is a Oklahoma, you know, thunder. You yeah, would never, right. you would never right. take those two. So the same thing with Cleveland. Kenny Lofton is a Cleveland Indian for life. So the Guardians is the second branch of that, but that was never part of Kenny Lofton at all. It's just connected to the name going forward, but... Kenny Lofton's records. The history. Yes, the history and records were Indian. So I'm just connected to Guardians. Here, here. The team now is called Guardians. That that didn't say Guardian Lofton because Lofton never appeared on anything with the Guardians. So get that straight. And, <laughs> it, and it's important, man. Don't, you know, we, we, we care about some of these things. I'll tell you what, man. Yeah. I, forget about India. Forget about baseball. I want to go straight to the main topic I got to ask you, Kenny. Right. Luke Olson, uh, Sweet 16, basketball. The heck about this, dude. I was a six, I, at 15, I was 6'4, Cuban, Cuban born, came over at six years old. I wanted to be the first Cuban in the NBA. And my dad said, I stopped at 6'4. He said, You know what? Um, you're big in baseball. They're going to kill you in college. <laughs> so I chose the right sport. Thank God for my Cuban dad, baby. He's still around in 92. But basketball was you were Mac Daddy, man. So talk to me about that little area of time in Arizona and mixing both those sports. Well, a good thing about it is I love my time in Arizona. I was able to um, play. The reason why I, I selected basketball at the time, because I couldn't afford 
to get a partial scholarship and that's all they were given in baseball. So I had an opportunity to play both sports and full scholarship was basketball, partial scholarship was baseball. So I had to go where I could afford and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't afford to do partial. So right. from where I grew up and how I was raised, full scholarship was the only way I could go. And I did basketball and the program, uh, Arizona was up and coming and we ended up having the first Pac-10 championship at the time there. And again, it went from there. But Lou Dolson was a father figure. He was a guy who taught the game. And people don't understand, teaching the game to young, young athletes is the best thing you could do. You know, like Coach K and all that, you can see them down the line on the bench coaching these guys as the game is going on. And that's what Lou Dolson did. He coached the game to the players as it was going on so they can see the progress of what goes on while the game is going on. I, I need a quick little follow-up on that just because uh, in today's player, and you follow it and you know, um, one of the things that I always admired about you, Kenny, was that you weren't just, again, what an athlete, right? Today's player, and, and Scotty B and I have talked a lot about that, they're extremely athletic. I mean, they're pushing them to be basically robot slash, you know, free safeties and DBs now, all the kids. But is the rawness... And the 400 power hitting, you know, foot home runs and 100 mile an hour that most of these kids now all got, all of them now, it seems like, different today because it seems like they don't have the insight and the aptitude. You were smart. Frank White quoted is saying, this kid is one of the smartest base partners that I've seen in a long time. Mix the two and where do you see old, you know, school great athletes, Bo Jackson, yourself, Dion? and new school kids? What, 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 what are you seeing different? Well, I see different is that they're taking the athletic ability really away from these young kids by telling them to hit the home run. That's the problem. You know, athletic ability, you know, it goes one-sided when you try to hit home runs. And that speed, power, combination of, of, of using your speed to your advantage, they don't care about that anymore. They right. only you know the analytics is telling these guys to try to hit a home run. If you hit or a home run, yeah, you can you can you can get paid, but you can strike out 250 times nowadays, and you're an all-star. Like you struck out 250 times when I played, your 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 butt was not an all-star. That's too many strikeouts because again, you're averaging 230 now. You know, guys thinking they're averaging 250, they think they're good. We were in the 280s, 290s, then you were good. Nowadays, if you hit 230 and you got 30 home runs, they consider you an all-star because you hit 30 home runs. Scotty B is going to explain to you what, why that, you know, it, it, it works. Scotty B, you're, you're the analyst. Guy, so, you know, explain to Kenny why they allow him to strike out all that many times. Okay. Well, first off, Kenny, just because <laughs> I'm comes, not going to assume that he's listening to every minute of every episode. And, and I'm not trying to make this an old school versus new school stats thing anyway. Cause also I will say I'm a middle guy. It's just that, Oh, is, is very tilted on, on yeah, certain statistics. Talented. I'm, I'm an eyes guy. I'm a scouts guy, all that. I just, I understand certain statistics that we also measure to uh, evaluate a pitcher, but no, as far as, as far as more athleticism in the game, I'm completely on board on that front. Oh, I mean, do I, I do respect, like I mentioned, I made sure I mentioned this too. someone like Kenny leading off at the top of the order. Like your job is to get knocks and also to get on base. So if they're pitching like crap or they're avoiding you, I, I highly respect the on base percentage. That was 37%. For, for Kenny. So I'm all on board on that. Here, here's what I'll say. And, but I'm, of course, 
I'm not just a power or nothing guy. I grew up watching the game. I'm in my thirties. I'm not like 15 years old. I grew up watching a game that had way more stolen bases, had way more athleticism. And I also am so involved in the current game that I'm talking to players like middle infielders that are super athletic that say, I mean, Hey, there was a big sports illustrated article about a year ago about it with Francisco Lindor saying, Hey, you know, let's, let's ditch this, all this shift stuff so I can show off my athleticism again. So actually this leads me to what I wanted to ask Kenny. O is, in 2023, there's going to be a lot of changes. Some things are confirmed, some are not. But looks like we're going to have a ban on shifts to an extent so that guys can be back in their regular positioning, which should at least help Knox to an extent, but also should help show off some of the amazing infield work that can be done instead of sticking an unathletic guy, say, at, at second base, which we've seen before. And then here's the key for you. The bases are going to be larger. It also seems like they're going to move second base forward a little bit. So point being... It's going to be a little shorter distance between the bags, which should help to spur more stolen bases again. I think moves like that are huge because, hello, where are the stolen bases anymore? It's one of the most exciting plays in the game, and we're missing out from things like that. You did it over 600 times in your career. So I imagine when you hear about a rule like that, the game's not going to naturally change itself. In most other sports, they evolve. So I would imagine you're into a rule like that changing next year. No, that's not going to work because you're not getting paid for stolen bases. That's the thing about these kids nowadays. How do they put extra money in their pocket? Mm. You, you hit 70, you get seven stolen bases, stolen whatever, bowling bases, you're still going to make the two, three million. If you hit, you know, 35 home runs, you're going to get the 25 million. That's the difference. They don't care about stolen bases anymore. So why would people want to do it? That's but if it's a closer, if it's if it's closer to get there, I'm saying you don't think that'll matter. It's about what they're paying people for. The analytics is paying you to hit home runs, and that's when you get the bigger contracts. That's it. Bottom line. It, it kind of it, it makes a point because the analytics are showing we don't care if you strike out because we don't want you to double play. But there goes the hit and run. There goes the steals. There goes certain the insightful nature of the game where you're picking up where the outfielder is, and then I'm going to get that extra base. It, it seems like the the uh, for, for lack and I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you laugh. The guardians of baseball now, the 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 owners of baseball. Let's give them that mark or whatever. Have ceremoniously shifted the game quite a bit in the last 10, 15 years, Kenny. In the sense that the analytics are overwhelming some of the nuances that I love. Well, I'm going to tell you about the nuances and the analytics. The analytics don't, don't teach heart. The analytics don't teach the human aspect that goes on with the game. Because you can say you can say to me, okay, this guy, he pitches you well. He owns you, right? But all of a sudden, you don't know that day when that guy comes to the ballpark if he's feeling the same way. That is a human factor. You can say, oh, yeah, he's good, good, good. But all of a sudden, that day, he can be terrible. His curveball won't be a shark. His fat ball is not as live. That's not in the analytics. He woke up this morning with maybe a tiny little blister he's trying to work around that he don't have. Analytics don't show that. The analytics, okay, just say a guy owns me, right? But I'm on a roll. I'm like, <clears throat> I'm like 10 for 15 coming to this game. And this guy who owned me, I'm like 0 for 12. I'm going to eat his his butt exactly. up. I don't care because if I'm in the zone, I don't give a damn who's pitching. You but today's can, manager will sit you. can owe me. I can be over 12. I'll say this way. I'll use this. If I'm in a zone 
and I'm 10 for 15 and Mariano comes to the plate, I'm going to get his butt. But again, I Mariano crushed me. Oh, my, he made me look silly. But again, if I've never been on that role, and which I have been, and I never faced Mariano during that time. I wish I had. Right. <laughs> because I would have got him. But again, you, your human error factor or the human factor would have fit in. If Kenny is 10 for 15 and he's on a roll and Mariano was crushing him doing that 10, 10 for 15, that dynamics will level out and change. So I imagine that when uh, your skipper back in your playing days came up to you and said, hey, Kenny, we want to give you a day off. The conversation didn't go too well if you were feeling it, huh? If I'm feeling it, the guy and the coach will look at it as the guy like Mike, Mike, Mike Hargrove, he understood that. And, it, it, you know, and he'll say, you know what? I want to give you a day off, but I'm saying, coach, I'm feeling it. You see what I'm He said, you know what? You're right. You're hot. You keep your butt in there <laughs> until you cool off. It's just like a guy shooting three, 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 threes. Then all of a sudden, he keeps doing it because he's hot, but then he misses a couple. Okay, he's cooled off. Go sit him on the bench. Give him his rest now. Here, here's something we can all agree on, because that actually gets me thinking. Oh, um, Go. So, and I see this for years now in the sport, and this is playing to what you're talking about. And it might be a player that's not a regular starter. Because also, hey, you were a guy just like Mike Trapp's a guy, you know, big, big players have the right to go right back to their skipper and say, oh, no, 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 I'm not sitting today. You know who I am. I'm feeling it. I'm good. Leave me alone. You know, unless, right. you know, the, the knee is got, you know, a bone sticking out in other directions and you literally got to be carried off the field. Otherwise you're playing. So here, here's what I'm getting to uh, nowadays that does bother me. And it does bother many players. Like, let's say you're, you're a big time. You're a prospect. You come up your first game. I'll give you an example of, of from early in the season, first week in the season. Seth Beer of the Arizona Diamondbacks comes up. It's a game-winning home run, and he's not in the lineup the next day. I'm pretty sure that that's what happened, and and that happens all the time nowadays. Like, do you believe that any player who has a big day, let's say he's got a three-hit day or a home run, whatever it is, regardless of his status, let's say he's a backup player. If he has a day like that, don't you ride the hot hands? Like, how weird would it be if you had yourself an absolute day and you're feeling good, and then the next day you're not in the lineup? That thing always bothers me because I'm like, dude, look what I just did. What if I keep going? But again, again some guys are not consistent like that, and you know that yeah. over time. You can have a good day because that just happens. You know what? They always say a, 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 a squirrel, what they say, a squirrel always find a nut, you know? Blind squirrel find a nut, yep. Yeah, so so and that's what happens sometimes. So you know the player if he gets on the roll consistently just over time. Time will tell how you dictate how you put a player and you use him. Because some guy can get lucky and that's it. And that's how you got to look at it. And, and the manager and everyone knows that. And this this guy, because again, in spring training or certain things happens, that's why you have spring training and certain things where you feel things out, you feel guys out. He can have a good day in spring training. You saw the next time, the next day, he struck out four times in a row. I've seen that happen many times on a guy who's not consistent enough, and that's why he's not a starter because you know he's not consistent. But here's what's happening, Kenny, and 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 oh, the last question on this topic, but it pertains. It's very important. You you lived greatness. You lived slumps. You lived, you know, stud records. You know, most stolen bases in postseason. Period. You know, et cetera, et cetera. Brother, what's happening out right now, and I'd say at least half of the teams go by. I know a team, okay, and I'm not gonna miss. They just recently traded a kid that 
drove in a hundred plus runs, you know, hit 30 something home runs. And the kid lefty struggles against lefties, a young player. He would go three for four with two jacks and four RBIs against the righty. And the next day it's a lefty start. He's sitting on the bench. How is he? I, That's I, what I'm it's, talking it's, about. it's just mind blowing. And, and, and I think that what's going on is when you stick too much to that, you're never going to develop the player. But then here's the other side that I think, Scotty B and Kenny, the money. Because when you water your or your hitting roster or your pitching roster, and you know, you're getting only got a couple of guys that are winning 12, and, and you're getting guys that are getting only 300 at bats, and another guy's getting 120 at bats, you're not getting that, you know, guys that are getting automatic five, 600 at bats. You get one or two, but it's watered down. So what happens when you get to arbitration? you almost have, you don't have the availability of having big numbers. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's another thing is that the money-wise, again, it's all about the money and they're trying to maximize what they can, but also putting you in a position where you don't make the max. If they can find a way not to help you maximize, they will. Point. They all do. right, so not to keep grinding your gears, Kenny, but when you look at – you now, there's disparities, right? Like, there, there are plenty of players in the big leagues even today that are not millionaires, you know, if they spend time in the minors and they come up, they don't they, – they're league minimum guys, all that. You were a superstar player. So, so does it t- piss you off sometimes when you're like, damn, I wish I was playing in 2022, <laughs> you know, and not and, – and, hey, I mean, there's, there, there's always going to be that for the most part as, as long as the game is healthy and growing and there's tons of fans and all that for the most part. You don't think Kenny it's ever going to go down. $750 million, 10 years, man. He would have blown away Pat Mahomes, too. So that's – and also I, I think Kenny would have bet on himself because I think you did have some of that anyway, right? Like you played with Cleveland for a long time, but it's a small market, small city, the whole thing. And then, you know, eventually they couldn't keep you where they were able to keep some of those other players, right, that they, I think, hooked on to – to early team friendly deals. So you're a bet on yourself guy, no? Well, I did that early on, but again, when they had an opportunity with Cleveland and Cleveland didn't really spend a lot of money. So they let a lot of players go because they didn't spend the money. And that's what the issue was, is that they, they could have done it, but they didn't. So, because it was all about, you know, again, for them is, is the, is the business side and they wanted to figure out how do they maximize their business side and, you have to, to balance out the, the what the team is trying to do win-wise or what they're trying to do to make money from it. So, and I mean, that's where the balance came in. And you, as a player, just had to pretty much deal with it. Did the steroid era and, and, and stuff like that going around, did that piss you off too? Because you had, you know, an unfair playing field, basically, where you're, you're a speed guy. And because, you, hey, you're only because I'm staying with this team a little bit, but we're talking about power and how it was valued then. Like the, the real power surge in the league came during a time period when you were playing, nice. you know? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the, the power kind of hurt me a little bit. It hurt my pocket. That's for sure. Yeah. Because, but again, I, I feel confident or I felt great of my numbers. I put up as the leadoff hitter doing the steroid era. I mean, I had to play against guys, pitchers, and all of that on steroids as well, and I still perform well. So I give myself credit to being able to overcome that and not let it affect me. I still did what I did. And, you know, and always going to use uh, Charlie Manuel saying, know thyself. <laughs> you know, I always knew myself. I knew what my game was, and I knew what I was supposed to do. I was supposed to lead off, distract the pitcher, 
you know, be the, the be the be the catalyst or whatever. And that was my job. And everyone knew Kenny was going to do his job. You know, and just a phrase from what Sandy Alomar said to me years ago, he said, Kenny, when you go, we go. Mm. So I had to have my mindset that I had to show I was a leader. I had to show my guys what we needed. And they saw me go. They piggybacked off of what I did. And I felt like maybe I messed myself up with, you know, the, I'm not going to say my numbers, Hall of Fame, what all that Hall of Fame, all that stuff or whatever, because I was trying to be a team player. If I would have started being an a, a, a individual player, I think my numbers would have been way better because I wouldn't have tried to take as much pitches. I didn't want to trade two strikes until I get a full count. I don't know how many times I got into a full count, and I know how many times I just took two strikes just to get the pitcher to keep taking pitches because I was a team player. They don't do that anymore. So and I, I felt like I didn't get credit for that. It's like, okay, you know what? This is what he did, but he didn't look, they didn't look at what I did as a team concept. If I would have thought individual, oh, my numbers would have boomed so much higher. Well, again, the day are the guardians because the day that we're on the field and even your general manager, your field manager, and your teammates, they noticed it. So, but I'm gonna change up a little bit here, man. Because I'm gonna uh, uh, I'm gonna go a little Stevie Wonder, and it's gonna be about the money, but I'm actually about lack there. You know, a boy is born in East okay. Chicago, Indiana. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. man, talk about tough. Give me a little story and, and and the love for for Rosie and your grandmother and how that all came about. And you mentioned Arizona and the Wildcats. You needed that full scholarship, and and you and you you grew up in a, in a difficult situation. I mean, yeah, I grew up in an area where it was, you know, gun violence, drugs, and, you know, gangs. And again, but um, the sport, baseball, basketball, I ran a little, ran track and a little football, but those kept me out of the, out of the, out of the madness that was going on around me. And my grandmother kept me on, on track. You know, I grew up with a, a grandmother who was blind, but she, she taught me a lot of, of what I know today and about striving and understanding that limitations as far as you let them go, you know? So, you know, you, you have so many senses, but you have to take advantage of what you, what you have and make the best of it. So, um, and I knew how I grew up, I couldn't afford a lot of different things, but the opportunity, you know, I made a, a promise to her. She said, Kenny, what I want you to do is go to college to get your degree. So I made sure I did that. And that was one promise I did. And I, and I, and I made it accomplish that. So I just felt like that was something I had to do. And I did it. And Arizona was the perfect opportunity for me to make that happen. So, and I did that. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and also, I mean, going back to what we were saying towards the top with, O. so what was baseball like in your life growing up and also keeping in mind? Yes. I think this is important for you know, the listeners to know is that there are more scholarship opportunities it's definitely in football and in basketball. And that's something that's always been, you know, a battle that baseball continues to work on. Of course, you can go straight from high school, get a signing bonus, the whole deal. But if you're trying to go to school, there are not as many scholarships available in baseball. It's not as much of a revenue maker for the NCAA so that you can go down that whole rabbit hole if you'd like. But for your specific life, um, you're, you're a college basketball player in the NCAA tournament with, and that team, what made it to the final four, right? 88 we went to the final four. And that's when, uh, Danny Manny in Oklahoma won it that year. Wow. So, so you're really in, I mean, and I know how college sports are. I mean, I was a college sports broadcaster. I would travel with teams, the whole thing. Like 
you are in even just doing one sport alone. So then eventually you transition to baseball, which also speaks to your natural ability. Cause there's many people that if, if they're not playing every day, they were not going to make it. You had, you know, I, and I think it also helps to play multiple sports, but you also had some natural ability that you can really make and be a point guard, you know, contact. Yeah. To be a point guard, but then also to be able to transition to baseball. But like, so for you growing up, what was baseball like in your life? How much baseball did you play compared to the other big leaguers that you eventually were a part of? Like, give me that whole look at at your life in baseball compared to the other sports. I mean, I played baseball all the time growing up. That was my main sport. Baseball was my main sports. Basketball was my secondary sport. But growing up in East Chicago, Indiana, the Hoosier sport, Hoosier basketball was so much hype behind that so you had baseball and you had Hoosier basketball hype it went way up here so you know you had the girls and everybody chasing you because you played basketball and in baseball you're like ah he's playing baseball so you got caught up in the hype of Hoosier basketball we had six seven thousand people at each game when I grew up Man. you know at the, at the high school at, level at your high school games that's dramatic yeah and it was crazy it's Indiana brother yeah, when I played under. So that was the hype that you grew up under. And baseball was not like that. But I know that baseball, the athletic ability, I was able to show that because of my hand-eye coordination and my speed. And, you know, and then went, so I had to switch over. I tried to, I wanted to play both sports. But again, basketball was what gave me the scholarship. And I had to, to go and, 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 and do what I was contracted to do. You know, I signed the agreement to, 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 to get a scholarship on at basketball. So I did that. And then I was able to work on baseball and going out, working out with the team and a scout, a scout named Clark Christ with the, with the Houston Astros at the time saw me and he said, man, this guy got speed and he got some skills that's untapped. And he felt like it was an opportunity for me to sign and, and it happened. Untapped? Man, you were in the league. You ended up being in the league with a guy named Ricky Henderson. Are you kidding me? Brother, what, which, what sport did you enjoy practicing trying to perfect more baseball practice or basketball practice come on now you're on the clock enjoy probably basketball yeah yeah i think I enjoy other than hitting right other than when you're up there playing all that dime only the only difference is baseball you had a lot of downtime basketball you didn't have no downtime i think that was me i'm hyper as i am today i'm still hyper you know that's just part of my dna and basketball me up and down that court I was ready to go. So in baseball, when I get on the baseball path, I get on the, on the bases, I'm ready to go. Let's go. You get on first, I want to get to third as soon as I can so I can score. And that was my mindset. And you've been like that even post-playing career, which is super relevant to what Biz we do man. here. Part of what makes us, us unique on the uh, Legends Lounge with the Players Alum Association. And Kenny, your star in that category is – so then you step out of the game, and I'm sure you were thinking about this as you were playing anyway, and you're like, okay, I'm Kenny Lofton. I've met a lot of great people. I'm full of ideas. I have a really cool network. You know, I have a business sense. I went to college. Add that all up, and the opportunities are really limitless. So, I mean, you can run through what you're doing, how that all came about, but, you know, just for an example, TV production company, all kinds of entrepreneurial affairs, some TV work some work with the with the Cleveland Indians at the time, base running coach, right, for a time. So, yeah, run through the what the Kenny Lofton resume looks like and, and how exciting that's been for you post-playing career. You're not a guy that just went home and said, all right, I'm going to sit around and, and hang out. 
Well, you know, for me, I felt like I got my degree at Arizona, TV film. So an opportunity, probably 0506, 0405, 506. I had an opportunity to start my own production company. And I did that. It was called Film, film Pool Inc. And we started doing small budget films and, you know, little commercials. And I have a full editing post house out here in L.A. And um, we're just doing small projects. And, you know, it's a small company, but we we, we, we end up doing a film from from script to the screen. We did that, you know, so, and also that kind of got a little slow with the COVID hit. And so I went from there to um, get into the cryptocurrency a little bit and that's when the NFT things hit. And now I have my my company um, Centerblock, but Centerblock creates a, a marketplace called ProxyMe. And that's when we're getting guys to go in the marketplace and be able to just distribute their, their NFTs out there. So, you know, we go to centerblock.io, I mean, .co, and it explains people what we're doing on that, on that centerblock page. And then I have another foundation that with myself, Troy Hunter, the Troy Hawkins, uh, who else is on it? Griffey Jr. It's called Steel Guy Game. So it's a Steel Guy Game Foundation to help the inner city. And that's something that we're, awesome. you know, that's something that we're doing right now. And part of the NFT work as well, if we want to try to get back to the homeless. And I've been telling people a lot of times that there's a war on our homeless today. They say there's a war in Ukraine. I said, no, there's a war on our homeless people to, in today's game, especially with COVID. That has made our homeless community just expand as I don't know what. So with these NFTs, a portion of the NFTs that we're trying to do is go to help the homeless. You know, and that's something that I feel very strong and feel good about what we are as a as a company is trying to do to at least at least do our part. We do a little bit of our part that'll help and other other people can see what we're doing to to spread the word on that to help our homeless. And that's what Brother, I'm doing. That is uh, you're gonna be a, a guiding light with that and proxy me Real quick, one more thing on that NFT because okay. you know, a lot of a lot of people kind of understand it most people actually don't understand it it's a little complicated how did you get into that and and what are you doing to try to create for these former athletes and using their likeness and get and get crafty and, and put it out there yeah we're just trying to get crafty with it what we're doing is a, in a, an nft is a non-fungible token it's uh it's it's fungible what's fungible and non-fungible what's fungible when you have two elements just say you have a five dollar bill and you have five singles right those are, are fungible because they are at equal value. Right. The non-fungible part where you can have something that's very unique, it makes it very valuable. So it doesn't have a price limit on it. You create that. You can have that in a digital currency, and you can also have that in a, um, in a physical currency. You can make both those up and create an NFT. I can sell my, my spikes my World Series jersey as an NFT, and that's the physical part of it. You can do trademarks and different digital. That's the the, the digital or a, a picture or something. That's the digital part of it. So everyone wants one or the other, or even both. And that's how you're creating your NFTs. Yeah, it's a digital asset. And yeah, I'm deep in this space too. Uh, oh, so yeah, we can, graphic Kenny and I could give you a, you I, know, a, a tutorial. Yeah, I love yeah. it. I, I've been getting into it, and, and I know it's here. And, and that's 
you know, the crypto, I'm slower pacing that, but the NFTs, I've I really delved into and and picked up a couple of different things from artists that I that I enjoy uh, and celebs and things because they're just getting graphically creative. Yeah. So, but I tell people the crypto world and NFT they work hand in hand. Yes. You know, so you, you you have a blockchain. It's called the blockchain. The blockchain is the digital digital data that is stored and recorded on the blockchain. So it's recorded there and it, it's not duplicate. I mean, it can be duplicated and be stolen because it is recorded and you can go in there and look at it, what it is. But again, it's, it's something that it's almost like you can, you have a, a QR code to your NFT. Basically you, you scan that QR code and it's only one of one of that particular NFT. So, and you can see everything about it with almost like I say, hit that QR code, you push a button and you can, it scrolls down what that NFT mean, what it's all about. It tells a story about it. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Very. It's awesome. And it's, a, it, it open, it is just getting going and it's opening yeah. up a whole new platform revenue stream. It, it's, it's huge with a younger audience already. And I think it'll be as it continues to normalize and become easier for people to become a part of this community. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I mean, I, we are not even close to scratching the surface. Like we're going to be, you know what he's going to 1% what, what, what into What Kenny, what Kenny K going to do? He's, he's going to make us famous with NFT for baseball uh, Legends Lounge, man. We're going to create something funky. I'm telling you, I'm feeling it. The big O and Scotty B, we're going to go, we're going to go international, baby. Well, we got to go to the <laughs> We're going to do that. We got to, I mean, I feel that the, the biggest thing is going to make this thing blow up if we give the, the content owner their due. That's the biggest thing. If you want to let the corporate people or the people behind it take all the money, it's not, it's not what it's supposed to be intended for. Let's get the artists. This blockchain NFT is a peer, peer to peer, as in person to person transaction. Amen. That's what's important. Like just to give out. It has nothing to do with outside person. It's me telling you, hey, you guys want to buy my spikes here? I'm going from you to me. We, it's us. Nobody else is in. Mm. And nobody gonna, nobody can get it. Nobody can own it. Between you and I. That's it. And also, though, but Kenny, so, the, the, you know, and, and these and like you said, like, it, you know, just like a painting, right? A painting has a value. It also changes just like a stock changes, right? It changes in value. So you could acquire a Kenny Lofton NFT that eventually, you know, becomes much more than it is because that particular line becomes very coveted or much more rare, right? Just like any item in the world, but also giving back to the content creators and the original people that have this IP, right? The talent. The no. blockchain is a big part of that because, I for see. example, in the That's NFT world, and I know we're going off on a tangent a little bit, but I'm, I'm, hey, this is this it's is Kenny's world right of, now, so it's, it's important to mention our world. There are royalties. So, for example, yeah. and this this went yeah. back just with the original NFTs, which obviously is really taking a huge dive into the sports world now as well. But let's say you are the artist. Every time, because things get things get passed along and bought, yeah. bought and sold, yeah. right? It's not like you make something and you sell it to one person. They're able to then pass it on to someone else if they want to sell it or it increases value and whatever it is. But you can build into that a royalty fee for the OG, for the person that actually created this in the first place, or the athlete who's getting yeah. minted and turning into an NFT, you know, and turning something into an NFT, an NFT line or something that, that they have or something they created. No. So, oh, you know what I'm saying? Like they, that gives more back to, to, the, to the originator, real originator the real yeah. athlete, the real hey. artist. And I'm trying to understand what eBay does. So you can grab some, somebody can buy a card of mine, put it on eBay and sell it. I have nothing to do with it. 
I don't, I don't make money from that. Just like no, you don't get a dime. An artist can have a painting. He can sell his cool, just say Picasso, you know, you know, Picasso picture, right? He puts it out there. He buys. He, he sells it to someone. This other person can take it and sell it to the next person, and the person who originally made that painting gets nothing for nothing. it. Nothing. Wow. So nothing. Now in this NFT space, the content creator has an opportunity to make money off the reset. In which right now they can't unless it's mm. in the NFT space. And that's where the blockchain and, and all that's that That's where the blockchain right. helps. Outstanding. Well, it's a ledger. I understand yeah. it now. It helps the guys. All right. so, and that's why, and Kenny, we, so, so to, to put a bond on this, cause I think this is important cause some people probably are like, okay, the last three minutes I'm going over a yeah, quick NFT conversation. No, no, no. The space needs more Kenny Loftins to explain all this. Cause it's here. And it makes sense, but it needs to be explained. Sure, there are a number of things that still need to be done in advance. There's still plenty of people, there's tons of people that don't own any, say, cryptocurrencies. So they don't know how to acquire something. And sometimes yeah. the best way then is to make it much easier for you to convert you know, your cash into cryptocurrency or even just get your cash into the NFT space without going through that, that, that middle range, right? So it's almost yeah. called yeah. like Web 2.5 instead of uh, Web 3, which is a very popular term. But anyway, Kenny, I, I very much respect what you're doing and that you're able to speak about this because you're an influencer. You're a big time athlete. And just like you could do this on a number of other fronts you're looked up to, you can do this on this space and help to normalize it, especially for, you know, an audience that is not educated on the process yet and thinks, you know, oh, crypto and NFT, you know, I'm just going to get scammed out, whatever. No, if, if you're educated on it, there's a lot to it and and it's awesome. So ton of respect. I don't know how many in the uh, Players Alum Association are, are doing what you're doing, but but more of them should because yeah. there's revenue opportunities and, and fan connectivity opportunities. It's good. For, here, I'm going to spin this all together. Kenny. Great point. It's good for baseball. To, ha to ah. be deeply involved in this space because you're connecting with a, another audience and you're connecting on a deeper level. And as you know, also there's utilities based off this too, where you can attach something like a meet and greet, whatever. There, there are, there's so much in terms of community and bringing this all together that I obviously am super and pumped and love talking about. So I, I, I commend you, man. I, I love what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Big step, big step uh, in, in, a, in a market that is like when you got, you know, when you got called up, man, you need to make big steps and you took them. You got on first. You went to third. You scored many, many times. Now, time to set up No Way Jose Kalo. So you oh, got to no. give me one. Of, man, dude, you played with some funky dudes. Don't even start. First of all, you had Charlie Manuel as your manager. And I know Charlie extremely well. So that guy alone is, is, is a character we're going to have to have on the show. You played with a guy named Manny Ramirez. You played. Uh, Albert, I had Albert Bell on one side, Manny Ramirez. Albert Bell. You had you had you had Omar and 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 Benitez, right? Uh, who was it? The, the one they always used to hit them when they were because they they, they got out of sorts. Uh, oh, Mesa. Uh, Mesa, Jose Mesa, Mesa. And, and Omar. <laughs> so you gotta have. Come on now, no way, Jose. Hit it, Kalo way. Wow. Um, my story behind it. Oh, man. Without having a guy call you back and say, I cannot believe you well, shared that story. Maybe the, the, well, Manny was the one who always forgot his wallet when we went to restaurants. <laughs> Had his wallet. Uh, Albert Bell wanted to be cold the whole time. They called him Mr. Freeze. Cold? Uh, oh, Albert. Like he literally oh, wanted AC. Like all AC time. at 60? 
Wait, let me, okay, so you guys don't know the story. So the story was Albert Bell liked it cold, and everyone knew that me, I was a leader. I'll say this leader, but when something went wrong, they went to me because they said Kenny will go and speak to the player, do what he needs to do because I was like, I'm about winning. And whatever it needed, they came to me and said, Kenny, you need to speak to this player to say something because I wasn't afraid. So Albert, you know, because between any – Albert used to go up, go back to the locker, he'd do all his note cards and all that. That was just how he was. But he used to like so cold in it, he used to go in there and turn the temperature down to 30 and 40, right? And then he'll leave. And then the guys would come back in the clubhouse and they're smoking cold. And they say, Kenny, hey, Albert. So I went in there. I went in there and turned it back up to 75. So all of a sudden, Albert comes in with his coat and he goes in and he turns it down again. So all of a sudden, I went back there and I was like, it's just cold again. So I turned it back up. So he got upset. He went in there, turned it down, took a bat, and broke the thing through the wall. <laughs> so it was a big old hole in the wall. You couldn't turn the thermostat no more because he broke it off the wall. It was gone. It was a big hole. So for three days until they got it fixed, it was 40 degrees in that clubhouse. Get out of here. Yeah. And he was a happy camper. Oh, he was happy. He was the only one smiling. Everyone else got, everybody else got big, you know, the, the winter coats and nothing in the locker room and other rooms. I was the only one sitting in there doing his crossword puzzle. Acting like nothing. Like he didn't just smash the place to pieces Dude, in order that's to. That's a good one. Get I the temp you wanted. That's really good. I've never even thought of someone smashing the thermostat and going to hell with Candy Lofton and the Indians. That's what he did. He was like, Kitty, you stop doing that. I said, whatever. <laughs> Turn it back up. And then next thing you know, we came in there. There was a big old hole and it was freezing in there. Honestly, so then man. what was the result after that? Like, what? how does the story end? So eventually, I'm sure they patch it up, they fix it. And did you find this happy medium of like, I don't know, 50 we degrees? We respond to medium. So we just told the kids that if you go in there and it's too cold, when you have them, just turn it back up on your own. And he hasn't, you know, no, he, he didn't do it. So they kind of, they didn't turn it all the way up. You know, they turned it kind of a medium area to where it feels like it's cold, but it's not too hot or whatever. So it was fine. Air conditioning negotiating going on. Uh, what like is to going the, on with to the Cleveland Indians extreme. back in the nineties? But let me tell you something. One thing about Tampa Albert Bell, he wanted to play every day. No mm -hmm. doubt. So what we did, we had a joke, running joke. If you wanted to get Albert pissed off, you go and put the lineup card, and his name is not on it. Wow. He will go off. So all of a sudden, we had it set up, and we knew exactly what he was doing. He's about to go straight to the manager's office. So we knew it, right? So all of a sudden we went and then he went in there and he closed the door and everybody's outside the door listening. What the hell are you doing? I want to play. I mean, Albert wanted to play every Was season. it Hargrove or Charlie? Huh? Was it Hargrove or Charlie? Hargrove, Hargrove. <laughs> Manny wanted, I mean, Albert wanted to play every single day. And if he wasn't in the lineup, he was pissed. Man. So, well, that's okay. awesome. A lot of characters. I just want one more question I got. Who was the strangest of the lot, man, between Albert, Manny, Jose Mesa? I'll uh, say uh, Julian Tavares. Oh, there you go. Man, see, you're, man, that was a three-point shot right there. You just pulled one. I just, yeah. you know, don't he, shoot it, Kenny. And it went in. Julian he was, Tavares. He was like cuckoo, man. He was a little strange. I remember yeah. watching him. I never met him. But even watching him on the mound, I said, Este muchacho no está bien. Este es un poquitico loquito. Este está loco. Un poco loco. But yeah, loco. One of you guys just say, if somebody do something wrong and they hit another guy and he'll say, do you want me to hit him? Like, <laughs> it wasn't on purpose. It wasn't on purpose because he was about to nail that next guy. Yeah. He was like, it wasn't on purpose. He said, oh, okay. I just want to know. 
Give I'll me his number, man. Every now and then, if I got to straighten out Scotty B, every now and then, I might send Julian, you know, out his way over there in New York. <laughs> oh, I, I, you know, I'm a tech savvy guy. Oh, I'm going to block that number. <laughs> you know, I'm blocking that number, but I'm taking every techie, call techie, from Kenny off. Kenny, I mean, stay hot. Like, it, Dude, you're doing what you're doing. This was awesome. Them. Thank you. Great, great insight, great thoughts, and, and great stories, man. Thank you, Kenny. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm almost thinking about the old school radio DJ going, don't touch that dial, but it's the AC. And if you touch it, Albert Bell is going to cause problems. That was one of the better <laughs> stories that I've heard from our No Way Jose's. Yeah, no, it really was. And uh, I guess if you have ran across Albert Bell, uh, you could see that he was he was a little bit different type. And uh, and if he wanted something to be a particular particular way, that's the way he was going to have it. And that was a great one. I, I got to admit that, that definitely definitely was a No Way Jose. I've got a good one for you on this week in baseball. We're going to June 26, 1944, Polo Grounds. Over 50,000 fans in attendance. Three New York Major League teams back then. What? All playing against each other in one game. A six-inning, three-team game, okay? Each team plays consecutive innings against the other two teams, and then you sit out an inning. And it's played to raise money for war bonds. It ends with a final score of Dodgers five, Yankees one, Giants zero. I love the creativity for, you know, a friendly, like an exhibition. That's sure. That's interesting. I would be down to watch something like that in today's game, like as a one-off. Of course. I, I've never heard of anything like that and um, ne never thought that really you could kind of do that. So what a great idea. I'm, I'm surprised that uh, it hasn't been done you know, more so, you know, at some points in time to just create a little bit of excitement. And, and, and think about it. You had not only two of the teams with their stars, but you added another team of stars. Um, wow. That, that's 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 a good one. I'm glad you picked that one, buddy. I had never heard of that. So I'm glad that we're making the world aware again. And maybe we start a campaign. <laughs> Three team game. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, oh, I told you we got to be fast with Kenny Lofton. We took up a good chunk of time. Kenny was coming in hot with all of his <laughs> post-playing career projects as well. So we'll finish off with where are they now? Gene Locklear, who played in the 70s, most successful season, 1975, 321, five homers, 11 doubles for the Padres in a little over 250 ABs. And this one is art related because since he retired from baseball in 1979, he focused on painting primary themes, sports and Native American culture produces work of arts in oils, acrylics, pencil produced huge murals, framed pieces of all sizes, painted images on media as small as baseballs. And he even was creative with wine bottle labels. And he had a painting called the tobacco farm, which was up in the White House during President Gerald Ford's administration. So it's a guy who really took talented artistic talents to the next level after he played. Not only could swing a bat, but uh, could, uh, you know, do make a painting. I, listen, whatever you can do that, those both of those type of things, that's outstanding for me. 
Yeah, he could swing a paintbrush, no doubt about it. And thanks again to Kenny Lofton. The lounge is closed. The Legends Lounge Podcast is brought to you by Major League Alumni Marketing. Hit us with questions or comments at legendslounge at mlbpaa.com. Check out our memorabilia at mlamauthentics.com. Later, Legends. Legends.